1: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
0: Hello, Raider Nation. Welcome to another edition of Believe in Raiders podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Dennis Ackman. Please to joined my former Raider great Stanford Route. Stan Raiders coming off a huge upset on the road against the Indianapolis Colts. And now their season comes down to one game. At home, it's division rival, the L.A. Chargers. Winner advances to the playoffs and loser likely goes home. But before we get into that, everything that transpired on the field, as if this team hasn't had to deal with enough off the season, Rookie defensive back Nate Hobbs was arrested for a DUI in Las Vegas early Monday morning, according to local police, at 4.09 a.m. 4.09 a.m. He was down in a car parked on the exit ramp. He failed a sobriety test, was booked on a misdemeanor DUI. Raiders interim head coach Rich Bisaccia on Monday told reporters the team was aware of it, and they were working on getting more information exactly what happened. Now, on Wednesday... Rich Bisacci has said that Hobbs will play. It's a legal matter. Here's Bisacci on that.
1: Obviously, we we, we take that extremely serious um, organizationally and and certainly within our our team. And and, um, so based on what we've learned at this time, um, we expect Nate to play. Uh, It's a legal matter. And other than that, really nothing else. We'll leave it at that.
0: Stan, what's your reaction Mm -hmm. to all this? Mm -hmm. Yep.
1: DA, come yep. on nah, now. Now, listen. On. DA, what level, what year of experience is Nate Hobbs? He is a rookie. And he's 22 years old. He's a rookie. He is what, what age? 22. Where do the Raiders play at? Las Vegas. Okay, so they play in Las Vegas. From what I know, Las Vegas seems to be a pretty fun city from what I hear. Uh, They just had a big victory against the Indianapolis Colts, the third straight in a row after beating the Browns, the Broncos, and then the Colts. Big victory. You're feeling like you're okay. Now, next week, it's simply winning. We're in. We control our own destiny. So, obviously, you're kind of riding high. Nate Hobbs made some plays there towards the very end to go ahead and help seal that victory for the uh, for the Las Vegas Raiders so when you think about it like that are you really surprised at 22 you're out not making the best decisions you know I'm not surprised
0: no no I get what you're saying there because look I I mean when I was young and 22 I was dumb I know I did a lot of stupid things and but it was a different area no social media definitely definitely but here's the deal everything that this team has dealt with Stan from Gruden to Henry Ruggs to Damon Arnett and You know, at some point you're like, okay, we've been all through this. And like you said, we just coming off a big win, one win. And this franchise is in the playoffs. Second time in in almost 20 years, Stan, does the light bulb go on? I'm just, I'm not just for the, I'm going to be,
1: I'm going to be be honest with you. I'm going to be blunt, honest with you. No, the light doesn't go on because, and this is something that I learned from coaching high school ball is, you know, one of our coaches. He was a a former FBI agent, and he told me flat out, he's like, Ralph, the frontal lobe does not fully develop till you're 25. So up until you're 25 years old, you're not even thinking like an adult. So that was one thing that he helped me understand when I'm dealing with kids, or should I say younger adults, that Stan, the reason why you can't understand what that kid did at age 19, where you're like, oh my God, why would he do something like that? Stan, he's not even thinking on on your mental plane. He's not there yet. So all I'm simply saying is it is not surprising because then, like I said, I'm not at all condoning what he did. That's right. stupid. And I think that he needs to be fined by Rich Pisaccia, whatever the maximum amount is. I don't know what it is, but he needs to be fined a hefty amount because as, as players, unless we, are, unless we have our money taken away from us or the game is taken away from us, that's the only thing that we actually hear. Because you could say, hey, you shouldn't do that and don't ever do it again. That's not how we're going to listen to you. Well, we will hear you loud and clear when we see our paycheck isn't as high as it usually is. Or we realize that we're standing on the sidelines in street clothes or watching it from our apartment or our home while my team is playing on national TV, Sunday night football. That's when we hear you loud and clear. So all I'm simply saying is from that aspect, you would think, man, why? Why is the light bulb turned on? Yeah, you would think so. But we're also over 25 thinking this. He's 22. He's a rookie playing for the Las Vegas Raiders, made some pretty good plays down the stretch. They just won the game. We feel like we're on cloud nine, and probably, maybe, I'm not sure, but maybe Rich Passaccia gave them a victory Monday, so now that they feel like, okay, I don't got to go in Monday morning, so I can go and have a little fun. And then, like I said, it's Las Vegas, Nevada. Trust me, the good Lord knew what he was doing not making me a Las Vegas Raider. I'll tell you just like that right now, DA. It's a good thing that God had me out there in Oakland, California, Right next to the city, San Francisco, San Jose, you can do a little bit, but not a lot because it's the Bay Area. And then, you know, it's cooler weather and rains a lot after Thanksgiving all the way to, you know, mid-March, things like that. So there's not as much to do as Las Vegas Sin City. So I'm not by any means condoning it. I'm just simply explaining when you really break it down, young guy, 22, living his dream. Big win, made some pretty good plays. He's a rookie. You feel like you're on cloud nine as a man anyways. Then when I sink some money into your pocket and you're doing what you love to do, not what you like, not what you're okay with, and you're getting paid a lot of money to do it, dude, you feel like you're freaking He-Man. You feel like you're on top of the world. I'm not, once again, I'm not excusing it. No, I'm right. simply explaining it for all the listeners, all the viewers. And that's just really what it comes down to. When you're that age, you're too young and you're too stupid. You're too ignorant. Yes. I said those words, young, stupid, and ignorant because I was the same exact way at that age. So I don't want to make seem like I'm some Oracle, you know, talking down or preaching down to somebody because I did the same thing, but you're just not, you're just not mature enough yet to think on a much higher, more mature, more cognizant, commonsensical type of level. You're just not. And that's, The ugly truth about it. Obviously, fans don't want to hear that. The media don't want to hear that. They don't care. But that's really in a lot of ways, man. That's the ugly, ugly, ugly truth about it.
0: All right. Well, we'll see how he plays on Sunday against the Chargers. Now, let's get back to last Sunday's win over the Colts. As you and I predicted, Raiders knocked off Indy in their own backyard thanks to Daniel Carlson's
1: fifth game-winning field goal this year. Stan, what was your takeaways from the victory? For one, like I said, obviously, they were able to come back, prevail, win the game. And it just goes to show, you know, the tale of two has for Derek Carr. You know, he throws him in interceptions in the first half. The one he threw to, uh, uh, I believe it was uh, Darius Leonard, Pro Bowl uh, linebacker. Man, the way he fell back into that into that open zone was just beautiful, great play by him. But Derek has to be able to see that. He's got to do better at actually being judicious down the field with his decisions and things like that. I'm not sure exactly what the final total number for Jonathan Taylor was. I forget. I'm not sure it's if it just was over a hundred yards. It was the first time the Colts and had lost. They lost, with they lost over this year. Yards, while but he he didn't so get any
0: big ones, Stan. That was thing. Ex- did a great job.
1: Exactly. And that's what I was saying. I feel like they did a pretty good job against him. I noticed it out of the Cowboys when they did a good job against the Cowboys against the run, obviously against Nick Chubb and the Cleveland Browns against the run. So I figured, I don't think Jonathan Taylor is going to go and have 170, have 180. I feel like they're going to do a decent job. Obviously coming up with the big plays with Hunter Renfro, him and Kenny Moore, the Pro Bowl uh, nickelback for the Colts. I feel like he stepped up big. That uh, that throw, the final throw that Derek Carr made stepping up in the pocket, being able to elude the sack from Darius Leonard. We need that, Derek We need that out of you from the first play of the game all the way to the last play. It can't just be these four-quarter comebacks that he's able to go ahead and produce this magic. Because if you start with that magic in the first quarter, we don't even got to worry about these four-quarter comebacks. But obviously, like I said, you know, hindsight is 20-20. It's very easy to be a Monday morning quarterback. So me sitting here in my armchair, it's easy for me to say that. But just the resiliency. Uh, It seemed like the Raiders never lost hope. They can't believe it. Like, hey, you know what? We can do this. We can do this. We can do this. Somebody's going to make a play sooner or later. Somebody's going to come up with a play, and we're going to get back in this thing. That, to me, was the most telling. But, you know, offensively, defensively, special teams, you know, like I said, Carlson, man, you you, got to give everything to him. Uh, That dude's got ice water in his veins. And I have a feeling that he's going to have to make some big kicks on Sunday night to beat the Justin Herbert-led Los Angeles Chargers because, like I said, I think when you're going against a big, strong arm quarterback like uh, Justin Herbert, and you already know that the Chargers got those big guys within Keenan Allen and with Mike Williams and so many, and Hunter Hunter Henry and so many of those guys, like man, like you're gonna have to make sure that you can match them blow for blow. So. Going to, going back to the Colts game, obviously they have more of a watered-down offense than lean on the run game. They want timely throws out of Carson Wentz. They're not going to put it in his hands too much to win the game. They're going to rely on the defense and the run game. I don't think you're going to be able to be able to have that same formula against the Chargers because they're more up-tempo. They believe in their quarterback, and this team goes by the way of the quarterback with the Los Angeles Chargers as opposed to Jonathan Taylor for the Indianapolis Colts. But nonetheless, I think that was a great victory. It brought a lot of hope to the to the Raider Nation. And we are now in week 18, game 17. And there's still a, a very good chance of making the playoffs. And it's simply just win and you're in. You don't gotta worry about this team over here. Hope this team only loses by seven points, or this team wins by eight points. All you gotta do is beat Justin Herbert and you're in the and you're in this thing.
0: Control your own destiny. Can't
1: for, yeah. Can't ask for anything more.
0: You know what, Stan? Um, when I was a kid back in the mid 80s, I think it was. The Chicago White Sox, they were managed by Tony La Russa. And mm-hmm. they were asking him, and they're like, you know, you don't win very pretty. You don't do things the way, you know, by the book and all that. And he said, we win ugly. And I feel like right now the Raiders are winning ugly. I mean, you watch them, and you're like, their offense, it sputters. I mean, they've yes. committed seven turnovers, stand the last three games. I agree. And when it's come down to it, they've been able on the final drive to either get a first down like they did against the Broncos to seal the deal, or Derek Carr leads them down the field. And Daniel Carlson kicks another game-winning field goal. And by the way, Carlson was named AFC Special Teams Player of the Week. Good for him. Yeah, absolutely. Well-deserved. You know, during this three-game losing streak, they turned it over seven times. But as good as the defense has played, they haven't created any turnovers. So they're minus seven in the turnover department. But, you know, that was Derek Carr's 29th Mm game-winning drive since he came into the league in 2014. And it just shows, like you said, you texted me. You're like, okay. Derek's got to bring us home.
1: He's got to. And he did. No doubt about it. Yeah, he's got to bring us home. You
0: mentioned that throw. If you look at the end zone view of it, when the pass to Hunter Renfro on third down, he steps up in the pocket. He's getting hit, and he's falling down, and he still throws a strike to Hunter Renfro.
1: So just imagine – oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish what you're saying.
0: I I just want to say about Hunter Renfro, Stan, to me, he's the Raiders MVP, and I don't think there's any debate about
1: that. Yeah, yeah, I I definitely would go there with you. He's made some big, strong catches all year long. Uh, Obviously, you remember the Monday night game against the Los Angeles Chargers, and he sees that one of the gunners is wide open. There's no shield over there. He runs over there, makes a big hit. It looks like a form tackle for crying out loud and is actually able to go ahead and break up the pass, still giving the Raiders the football. I think that, yeah, he's been been the consummate pro. He's been the consummate teammate, all-around guy. All year long. And I mean, some of the routes that he runs, and that's not good God. It is like four different directions all in one. And you wonder why these DBs are getting spun around like a spinning top. But the thing is, like I said, uh, you know, going back to what you just said about Derek Carr, Derek has got to grow up. I do not want to see a 30th comeback victory this Sunday, as far as like you know, for his career, his 30th, you know, comeback, come fourth quarter comeback. I don't yes. want to see that, right? Like Let's go and take that same magic that you have in the fourth quarter. Let's have that in the first quarter. And you give me that for four quarters, and I'm telling you, it's only a handful of teams that if Derek Carr produces that same magic from the first quarter on, it's only a handful of teams, maybe Green Bay, Tampa Bay, maybe, maybe, maybe the Rams with Matthew Stafford, even though I don't think so. Like, yeah, it's only a few teams that can beat the Raiders with Derek Carr playing with that magic for four quarters, not just for an extension of maybe four to five minutes. So I think that that's what I got to see. I don't want to see another four quarter comeback where we rally. And then all of a sudden, because I remember, and you know, God rest his soul, John Madden said this years ago back in the nineties when I was a huge fan of the 49ers and they were always going against the green Bay Packers and the Dallas Cowboys in the playoffs. And I remember there was a huge throw that Steve young made to Terrell Owens across the middle. He got smacked when he caught the ball, but he caught the ball in the end zone. It was a touchdown. The 49ers wound up winning the game against the Green Bay Packers, and then they wound up losing to somebody. But the point what I'm trying to make is, John Madden, God rest his soul, John Madden said this. He said, if you always find yourself having to come from behind in the fourth quarter, you won't go very far in the playoffs. And that's something that I want the Raiders to go ahead and get away from. Stop with the, okay, well, you know, we're just going to go ahead and produce this magical comeback and then win the game. I think that... When you do that and you rely on that, there's going to come a time where you're going to reach back in your back pocket and that magic penny, it ain't going to be there. So that's something that I want them to get out of right now rather than always relying on it.
0: All right, I got another little John Madden stat for you. I gave you one last week. His last playoff victory was against the then Baltimore Colts, right, Stan? Mm -hmm. I got another one for you. Ready? (laughs) Okay, here we go. This Sunday, when the Raiders face the LA Chargers, and by the way, the Chargers are three-point favorites, on forty-five years ago, to the date, January 9th, the Oakland Raiders and John Madden won their first Super Bowl, beating the Minnesota Vikings 32 to 14 in Pasadena.
1: Stan'll be 45
0: years to the day. To
1: the day. Oh wow. Wow. How about that, that one? Yeah, that definitely is like another uh little another gem. Come on. Yeah, it, hopefully that, that uh that comes to hopefully that comes to fruition. So yeah, we won't be in California, but You know, we'll be in the West Coast Pacific standard time zone, to say the least. And, man, you know, even just going back to that game, I still remember watching the highlights. Willie Brown with the long man return. Yeah, God rest his soul. Uh, He was my coach in Oakland for so many years. So, yeah, so when you say that against the Minnesota Vikings out there in Pasadena, yeah, that just brings back a lot of memories from the highlights that I remember from seeing so many times. Well, if you think the Raiders can conjure up some more magic, then head to betonline.ag.
0: It's back and better than ever. A new web interface for the rest of the NBA season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEED50 to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, Stan, let's go ahead and focus on Sunday's matchup against the Chargers. And this is a winner take all for a playoff spot now. With that being said, the Raiders could back in with a loss and a close loss at Jacksonville and a Steelers loss at Baltimore, but let's be realistic. I don't think the Jags are losing to Indy. But, Stan, to me, uh, we didn't talk about it, at least I didn't, but the Raiders' defense, to me, is the key to this game. I mean, during this three-game winning streak, they've allowed under 16 points a game, which is eighth in the league, just over four yards per play, which is sixth in the league. Their run defense has been great as well, Stan. I mean, allowing just 76 yards on the ground, and overall, they've held their last three opponents to 219 yards a game. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Like against Indy, the Raiders allowed the Colts to convert just 27% of their third downs. And you know, Stan, I understand Nick Mullins and Drew Locke and Carson Wentz aren't Justin Herbert. I get that, man. But you know what? You play who's on the schedule and who's lining up across from you, and nobody's feeling sorry for you when it comes to who's playing and who's not.
1: Yeah, I definitely think that uh, it's going to come down to the defense when you got a big, strong quarterback like a Justin Herbert, who I believe is probably a top five quarterback right now. You're going to have to make sure that you eliminate the big plays or should I say limit the big plays? I think you got to make him go the long, hard way and you have to just trust that your defense is going to be able to withstand it. You're going to have to stop the run, obviously, with an Austin Eckler, everybody else in that backfield. But I think big plays is going to be the key. And I think Derek Carr, you have to match every big play that Justin Herbert makes. You're going to have to go ahead and stand in there toe-to-toe with him. You are now in, what, a year seven, year eight? I'm not sure what it is for Derek Carr. But Justin Herbert's only in his second year. You can't let the second-year guy outduel you for a chance to go to the playoffs. I'm sorry, for a playoff spot. You just can't allow that to happen. So I think it's got to be a team effort. And I think that, uh, obviously, Carlson, he's going to have to come up, make some big kicks. Uh, And I think that when the defense is able to go ahead and make their stands, on third down, they have to also keep in mind Brandon Staley's willing to go for that fourth down. So it's more of like a four down type of a, type of mindset all game long rather than, okay, it's third down. Let's get off the field. We got to get off the field on fourth down as well. But I think that ultimately who it's really going to come down to is my man, Max Crosby. You just got your first Pro Bowl selection. Where are you? Stand up. You got to be a beast in that backfield in Gakway. You got to stand up. You have to pressure Justin Herbert. You can't just rely on that back end. You can't do that. So, D line, you have to collapse the pocket. He's the type of a quarterback that he likes to be able to get outside of the pocket and be able to make some plays from outside because he's a mobile quarterback. So, I think that you've got to maintain your rush lanes. You have to make sure that you collapse it from the outside in, force him to step up into that pocket, even though we know he can make those throws. But when he's outside the pocket and he's able to let his receivers, you know, go ahead and do their scramble drill. That's when I think he's deadly, and that's when I think he's at his best. So I think that uh, defensively, from the linebackers, Perriman has to be a beast on the tackling machine. Everybody in the back end, Moe Nate Hobbs, Mullen, you know, whoever else is back there, they're going to have to definitely uh, do their part when the ball is in the air. But I think it all starts up front.
0: Yeah, you know, one good news is uh, the offense sounds like it could be getting Darren Waller back. He hasn't played since Thanksgiving when he was injured against the Dallas that's a Cowboys. Move. You know, that's stay on the Raiders move. offense since then, has averaged just over 15 points a game without him. In fact, the 23 scored against the Colts were the most that the Raiders have scored since Thanksgiving when they hung 36 on the Cowboys. And you know what? I want to give a shout-out to Zay Jones also because he's really been balling out the last four weeks. You know, I was very critical of him. Austin, Texas. Yeah, you know, I didn't think he was doing much after he placed Henry Ruggs in the lineup. But, Stan, 120 receiving yards and eight catches against the Colts, 120 receiving yards is a career high. And over the last four games, 25 catches and against Cleveland on that last drive, Stan, he had a lot of big
1: receptions. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yeah, let me ask Texas, you this. I
0: feel, I feel like sometimes, and I, I don't know if they do this, but I want your thoughts on it. And we've talked about it already in this podcast, the Raiders, when it comes down to the final drive, their offense executes almost flawlessly. Do you think at some point they go hurry up in this game? Talking about the Raiders or the yes, Chargers? The Raiders, because of the success they have in a hurry up, on the final drives over these last three games. What what are your
1: thoughts? Just thinking out loud here. I think that whenever you have a quarterback that obviously displays a strength, I think you need to play to that strength. So, I mean, obviously you saw Peyton Manning, once he was able to finally understand the game, they pretty much just gave him the keys. And, you know, (laughs) Peyton Manning always just did what? The muddle huddle where everybody just kind of lines up at their spot. And then he just spits out the play. He directs the offensive line to the protection, things like that. If that's where Derek Carr is at his best, then go right ahead and do that. Run the hurry up because then it also eliminates the ability to be able to substitute for the defensive line, the defensive players, things like that. So that's why Aaron Rodgers is so is such a wizard. If Aaron Rodgers catches you trying to move your defensive players onto the field, if he catches one of those guys who was lagging behind and he's late to get off the field, bam, he just snapped the ball five yards offside. Or should I say too uh, too many men on the field or something like that? Or if he catches you trying to go ahead and shift to a new defense from the sideline, he's going to go ahead. He's going to snap that ball and bam. He just caught you misaligned. Y'all aren't aligned properly because y'all are trying to substitute players on. He just got a big play. So, yeah, whenever you run the hurry up, there is an advantage if that quarterback knows what he's doing. So if that's where Derek Carr is at his best, by all means, run that hurry up offense. And that's, what's going to go ahead and help him get going so he can get to a rhythm.
0: All right. Here is Derek Carr on the Raiders facing the chargers.
2: The last month we've been playing in our playoffs. At least that's what we've been talking about, you know, because if we lost any of these, it really wouldn't matter. So, um, it's exciting. It's against a division team. Um, you know, all, all of those things, but nothing changes. If you got to change something, I always say, if you have to change something in your preparation, I don't think you're preparing the right way. So, um, I'll be excited. Uh, I know our crowd will be excited. Our team's ready to go. Um, it'll be fun. Hopefully I speak for everyone. But for me, I'm not even going to watch anything. I hope the TVs are all off. I hope no one's watching. And I hope our complete focus is on winning the football game. You know, And if, if we can you know, keep that and someone comes up to me and says, hey, we're in, you know, be like, oh, okay, great. You know, I still want to go out there and still want to beat the Chargers. You know, Um, I never, you know, I never, you know, someone said, I think someone said we can just take knees and tie if that's the scenario. And I was like, well, that sounds good to you, but I don't want to, I don't want to tie these guys either. So, (laughs) you know, to me, it'll be full focus on beating the Chargers. um, And and I'm pretty confident. That's how our whole team feels. No matter, no matter what, you know, you you know, they they beat us last time. We kind of just want to play this game.
0: All right, for more on the L.A. Chargers, let's welcome in Ryan Dirud, the co-host of the Believe in L.A. Football podcast. Ryan, thanks so much for joining us. Gentlemen,
3: thanks for having me. Happy New Year to you and excited to get into, uh, you know, it's week 18 now is the regular season, yeah. but it's already the playoffs. So just like last year, I agree. week 18 is a playoff game, and I'm, I'm looking forward to talking
0: about it. Thanks yeah, you know what? I think it's been the for the Raiders, you could say the last three games yep. uh, are quasi-playoff games. You really can. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Ryan, let me begin by asking you this. Which Charger team is going to show up Sunday night? The one who lost to the Houston Texans and Minnesota Vikings, or the one who beat the Kansas City Chiefs and Cincinnati Bengals on the road?
3: <laughs> That's the question we ask every single week. It's been this Chargers team. I think some weeks looks talented enough to be a Super Bowl contender, and some weeks looks like the old Chargers under the Anthony Lynn regime that were one of the bottom of the barrel teams. Um, you know, it's we've talked a lot about this on my show, and it's you know when you have a first year staff and Brandon Staley who is rebuilding this team basically from the studs up with a, a roster that he inherited, but also adding some new pieces, but completely changing the defensive system and scheme. They brought in Joe Lombardi as offensive coordinator, rebuilding that. And, and so a lot of that is going to take time and there's going to be some inconsistencies there. And they've also just dealt with a lot of you know injuries, not, not nothing like Chargers injuries of the past of season-ending ones, but they've had like over 100 different secondary combinations this season. They can never get those same five guys on the field at the same time, which they might actually have this Sunday, shockingly enough. So to answer your question, I, I think we'll see the better team just because of what this game means and, and how much is on the line and how Justin Herbert plays, because Justin Herbert to me is a top five quarterback already in this league. Um, but it's, you know, it, it's really hard to answer, which we'll see, but hopefully
1: the latter. Ryan, let me ask you this. And I, I say this to so many people, even uh, even D.A. when we talked about the uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, is that. The same thing for a Joe Burrow, or which we'll soon see more of out of Trevor Lawrence, is the up and down of the Chargers, also uh, very congruent to the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, is because they're great because of the quarterback, yep. but they're also inconsistent because of the quarterback. And I say this, that young quarterbacks, because they're great, obviously they can make every throw on the field, they're superstars already, but they're inconsistent because they're young. They haven't seen every defense out there. So you'll have a few stinkers like the Houston Texans. You'll have some triumphant victories like you did against the Baltimore Ravens if you're Joe Burrow or some stinkers like Justin Herbert had against the Baltimore Ravens. So talk to me your feelings on that as far as the reason why the team is a Super Bowl contender is because of the quarterback. And they're also inconsistent because of some of the inconsistencies of the quarterback, not because of the lack of talent, but because of the lack of experience in the youth.
3: Yeah, Stanford. It's such a great point. And when we've talked about a lot and, you know, it's uh, when you have a talent and the caliber of player Justin Herbert is, uh, you see the greatness and you expect that week in and week out. But it, it does take time for any of these great quarterbacks. And we see out with Brady in the past, with Aaron Rodgers, with Russell Wilson, like they're not they're not where they are in year 15 in yeah. year two. So you're going to have some of those bad games. Like for instance, Justin Herbert, still one of his biggest struggles is against two high safety sets. It's just something mm-hmm. he doesn't play great against, which is funny because that's what the Chargers run. So it's kind of what he sees every day in practice, but it's not, he still somewhat struggles against that. We saw him do a lot better last week against the Broncos who run that same style with Vic Fangio and basically just gave what the defense gave him. And then finally yep. in the fourth quarter, when defense bit on it, then they opened up and had Mike Williams for the big long touchdown. So the inconsistency there, I, I totally agree with you. It's just that the not having you know more than what twenty five games or so that he's played so far in his career, and and this team right now, the way it's built, goes based on him. I talk. I covered the Rams too. We've seen games just to compare. We've seen games where Matthew Stafford has played very poor, but the Rams have still won because they mm-hmm. played great complementary football with the defense, the special teams. They were able to dig him out of a hole. The Chargers in year one of this Steeler regime just aren't there yet, and, and I think they'll get there. What they're building. But they just don't have the defense yet, the pieces yet to, if Herbert struggles, get them over the hump. And so this team goes through him. But to your point, I think it's just the, the lack of experience, which he'll get, which he'll yeah. get
0: there. Ryan, you've mentioned that defense a couple of times for the Chargers. Uh, I believe it was the first time against the Broncos. They didn't allow 21 points in the last nine games. When you look at them on paper, I mean, Derwin James, you got Cliff Harris, Bosa on the edge. It appears to be a good defense on paper, but what have the issues been for this group?
3: Well, one I, I mentioned before was, is just the inconsistency of starters. Uh, you know, it seems like Nasser Adelaide and Derwin James are the two starting safeties. They've played like one game together. One yeah. of them is always out. So having those two guys is huge. Alohi Gilman, the backup safety has been out most of the year. Um, so they're, they're plugging in different guys, Mark Webb, who they drafted has missed the entire season. Uh, Sanchez Daniel juniors missed many games because of concussion. Uh A lot of that's just consistency of players playing together, which is a huge thing in this league. Uh, I'm sure you guys talk about it. Like continuity continuity. continuity and health, the teams in the playoffs. I know people say, well, you can't use health as an excuse. But the 16 or 15 teams or whatever that make the playoffs are usually the healthiest teams. Yep. Just the way it will. No rolls. doubt about it. It's a fact. No doubt about it. So, so that's been one. And then two, um, Justin Jones, again, going back to health, Justin Jones in the middle is so important to this rush defense. When he is on the field, the Chargers defense gives up about 3.2 yards a clip when he's out of the lineup over five yards a clip. Oh, so wow. it is huge about what Justin Jones means to this defensive line and he'll be good to go Sunday. So that certainly
1: helps their chances.
0: Hey, Ron, I want to go back to the first meeting between these two, and the Chargers ran all over the Raiders. I believe they ran for nearly 170 yards, and it appears after that game, the Chargers' running game kind of disappeared, but then it's had a resurgence here lately. What's been the key to the turnaround for the ground game for them?
3: Yeah, they've had to shuffle some offensive line guys. Um, Obviously, the right side, Brian Belaga, hasn't played a snap this year, unfortunately, so that was a a bummer of a a signing since he's been injured basically his whole tenure here. Um, But, you know, just getting guys acclimated on the offensive line, um they've had to you know have some covid issues but then also Austin Eckler has has been a little banged up here and there and uh, but the biggest i think issue Dennis answer your question is what's been frustrating i think for fans too is they haven't had a commitment to a running back too so Austin Eckler we know what he can do we know how he's great in the passing game um we know how he's electric with the ball but he's not your ground and pound guy and they have no. you know Justin Jackson they have uh, Joshua Kelly at a UCLA and they haven't truly committed to one of those guys. So it seems like every game, one of them's a scratch, one of them's healthy uh, in the lineup, and so one will get three or four carries but can never get in that rhythm. And so I think they have finally truly committed to Justin Jackson as that number two guy as a change of pace to Austin Eckler. Um, And then other times, too, certain games they've just fallen behind and they've they've had to rely on Justin Herbert to throw them back into games. But I think really committing to that RB2 that, they can really, you know, give the rock to outside of Eckler has really helped them open things back up, Dennis, like they were in the beginning of the season.
0: Hey, I want to talk a little bit more about their first year head coach, Brandon Staley. I mean, when you watch the Chargers, it appears like they never punt, they never kick a field goal, they always go for it on fourth down. He appears to have embraced these analytics. I mean, how much does it hurt them and how much has it helped them, do you think, when they bypass a field goal and go for it on fourth down when it seems like that's the obvious call for them to make?
3: yeah it's it's a fun question out here for sure and it's it's really you know we can always play hypotheticals and look at situations of uh well if they would have taken the points here you know they lot they lose by uh what was it in that that second chiefs game they lose in overtime and they they passed on like nine points and right um but the first game they won because they went for it on fourth down and didn't take the field goal there and didn't give Mahomes a chance so I think overall it's helped them I think it's created an identity for this team, which is very important. I think with the Anthony Lynn regime, as great of a human being and person Anthony Lynn was, even I think he was, even wasn't as bad as a coach, a lot of people said. But there wasn't like a true identity around the team. They were seen as kind of like this soft, like who are the Chargers? Like people know who the Chargers are now. Like they're a team that is going to go okay. out there and compete. They're not there to participate. And, and they're going to gonna try to punch you in the mouth. And they're going to try to win the game, not lose the game. So to answer your question, I think it's helped them a lot more. You could, I'm sure, look at box scores and all that and say, well, this game, it it actually cost them. Um, But overall, just based on identity, based on culture, based on what happens, not just between the numbers, but uh, at the practice field, uh, in the locker room, in the meeting rooms, I think it's really built a brand of Chargers football that uh, has got them nine wins so far. Uh, So I think moving forward, Brandon Saley said many times, this is who we are, get used to it. And uh, I think it's it's something that people need to get used to. And I, I think it's for the better, though, if I'm being honest.
0: Dan, you and I saw a little bit of, from the Raiders against the Colts on Sunday. The Raiders, what, 10 minutes to go in the game, fourth and two on the Colts, 11. They're trailing 17-13. Yeah. Instead of trotting out, you know, Mr. Reliable Daniel Carlson, they went for it and it ended up paying off as Hunter Renfro caught a touchdown pass. So I'm wondering if, my gosh, is any team going to punt on Sunday or are we just going to see everybody, <laughs> everybody you know, going for it on fourth down? So.
1: It's just interesting to see this new philosophy. Yeah, know, it's for- all about the ana- it's all about the analytics now. You know, Brandon Staley, he's obviously an analytics type of guy, and you know, I'm I guess maybe it shows my age, even though I'm pretty much the same age as McVay and and Brandon Staley and all those guys. But like, I remember watching that literally at a Raider bar in New York City, and I'm thinking to myself, like okay let's get the points then we got to get it stopped, and we'll come back score touchdown but like right. let's get the points because if yep. you leave up out of here with no points this game will probably be over if the uh, colts go ahead just hand the ball off to jonathan taylor a couple times you know run the clock out things like that so yeah I- i'm right there with you i did not agree with that but i'm so freaking glad that it, it came out successful
0: <laughs> all right ryan we're gonna yeah. get you out of here on this one need a prediction from you for sunday
3: Oh man. Uh, you know, it's going to be a great game. I think this, this rivalry is one of the best in sports, not just football. Uh, one of the best in divisions, even though now it's not in California, Vegas, LA is closer than when they were in San Diego and Oakland. So it's even more, I think of a, uh, freeway rivalry, if you will, mm-hmm. especially, with the, especially with the traveling now. And that, that's what the NFL is now. It's a traveling league fans like to go to destination places. So it'll be a lot of fun, but yep. you know, I, I think it's impressive what the Raiders have done this year, I'm going to be honest, considering all the peril they've gone through with John Gruden, with Henry Ruggs, with now the rookie cornerback, unfortunately, and and how they've come together and been able to pull off nine wins, how they've won three straight in in do or die situations. Um, But I just think the buck stops here. I think the Chargers are too talented. Everyone's back healthy, I think, uh, that they've had missing in the past. A uh, few games. Uh, they're they're fully healthy, basically on defense. They're pretty healthy on offense, and I think Justin Herbert over Derek Carr in this one. We saw the I'm in game in Vegas last year. I think it's going to come down to a situation like that again. What's funny though, and I'm curious your thoughts if this game gets to overtime. I know coaches will will say no, we're here to win. But if it gets to overtime, why not go for the tie and both teams get in? Who knows what happens?
1: You never know. Oh,
3: so so oh so wait
1: wait a minute. So obviously this a whole lot of things got to happen for this for this to happen but are you saying so if both if it winds up in a tie both teams would uh <laughs> but i think the colts have to lose to the jaguars yeah which is very unlikely yeah, that's not yeah, yeah. yeah
0: i think we can all agree that uh that is very very. although somebody pointed out to me the
1: jags did beat buffalo but i'm like i just cannot and wait and also and remember what i told you dh is what two weeks ago i know you thought like, oh, there's no way Chargers will lose to the Texans. I, I know, told you, I said, right. man, I said, I know you're even right. Sunday with inexperienced young quarterbacks, yeah. they could just have a dud of a game I know. and all of a sudden, like, bam, you know, it winds up being a lopsided game. But yeah, to your point, I, I, I don't see uh, the Colts losing to the Jags. I hope they do, because then that means right. our game won't be as meaningful as far as, you know, whether we win or lose. Uh, but yeah, nonetheless, like I said, uh, I, th- I see the Colts beating the Jags. All right, Stan. Well, 11 years ago, and I'll know you remember this unfondly,
0: the Raiders went into the last week. All they had to do was they had to beat the Chargers out oh, the in Oakland. Oh, my goodness. And the Broncos also. Brian, I know you probably home. remember this
1: game also. Yep. And of course, the Broncos
0: <laughs> lose. And what do the Raiders do? You guys lay an egg, Stan, and you miss yep. the playoffs of 2011. But you know what? I think I think it's just different <laughs> this year. That I don't was know what? All the three teams were in
1: 2011 i know we went eight and eight i think, I think all the, three teams were eight and eight right
0: yeah the broncos won the yeah. tiebreaker at eight and eight yeah. damn sure a home game against the steelers
1: <laughs> man you know I, i'll say one quick thing oh, before you man. get out of here ryan man the chargers were always they were always somewhat of like a thorn in our side and what i mean by that is i remember i've had interceptions against every team in the division except the chargers mm. and it was obviously always philip rivers was a quarterback <laughs> but like I don't know what it, whether it was Norm Turner's play calling. I don't know if it was just Phillip Rivers with his accuracy. I don't know if it was those shooting guards he had a receiver with Vincent Jackson God rest his soul and Malcolm Floyd and then even also Antonio Gates. But like it was always a mental it was always a mental battle where that was the one team where we struggled to get a bead on what their offensive tendencies were because right. you always saw tendency breakers in some form or fashion. Yeah, that was always a tough matchup. So I knew going into that game, I'm like, we got to win this game to go in the playoffs. And uh, and then you know, we gotta sit and watch and hope the Broncos lose to or do whatever the heck they, that happened to them. I remember that game vividly, and I remember the fans were literally at the stadium screaming, Denver lost, Denver lost. <laughs> so basically, like, hey guys. Like, hey, motherfuckers, like, get your ass going, win this game, and let's, let's be playing next week yeah. in the wild card round. So, man, I, I knew going in that game, man, anytime we played San Diego, I was like, goddamn, like, that's just the one team that I don't know what it was, North Turner, Phillip Rivers, the receivers, mm-hmm. I don't know, but, like, we always struggle to get some sort of an offensive tendency and an understanding of what they like to do, always.
3: Yeah. It's of those matchups. That's like the Rams and Niners since. Yeah, exactly.
1: The, yeah. And those I, I match-ups, would not, you don't get it. I would not be surprised if the Niners beat the Rams on Sunday. Yeah, I know. would not be surprised
0: at all.
3: They it's definitely crazy. have
0: their number. Hey, Ryan, uh, can you give uh, Raider Nation your Twitter handle where they can find you on Twitter?
3: Yeah, I got. Hey, seriously, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. Great getting to know you guys. But uh, at Ryan Dyred, L-A-F-B is uh, my handle. L-A-F-B nice. is the uh, network there.
0: Absolutely. And once again, he's the co-host of the Bleed and L.A. football Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us, man. It was a great pleasure.
1: Thank you, sir, man. man. Appreciate you coming on, man. Happy to have you. Got to do it again. Absolutely, guys. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. All right. Good
0: interview there with Ryan. Stan, before we close out our podcast, uh, last Sunday, Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver Antonio Brown had a meltdown, took off his uniform (laughs) on the sideline. (laughs) He left during the third quarter. Look, I'm 53. I've been watching sports for a long time. I've never seen anything like this. You played eight years in the NFL. You've been playing a football a heck of a lot longer than that. I know you're a big sports fan. Stan, what is your takeaway from what you saw from Antonio Brown?
1: Oh, man. My takeaway for what I saw from Antonio Brown is were you really surprised? That's number one. And if you're very surprised, I would definitely want to ask you exactly what type of substance are you on if you're surprised by anything that you saw out of Antonio Brown on Sunday? And I think that right there, it, it has so many tentacles because. We really don't know what happened. Allegedly, some people are saying that, oh, you know, the Bucs wanted to bench him. So he didn't hit his incentives and get that extra million dollar bonus. I don't really think that's the case. I don't either. I mean, no way. It's, no, that's it's just a, no way. Exactly. That's just a million dollars. The Bucs are not worried about that. Wow. Uh, number two, then obviously you're seeing how allegedly he wanted to come out of the game or he didn't want to go back in the game. And the Bucs were telling him, hey, go in the game. And he's like, hey, I'm hurt. But, and then Bruce Aaron's like, oh, well, you're not going to go in the game. Well, you know, get out of here. And then that's when obviously the, uh, the blow up ensued. And so, with the ankle injury that obviously has sidelined Antonio Brown for a, 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 for a lot of games this year, I understand that part. But now, here's where, like I said, it gets very hairy. Because, DA, you saw the video of, of like the entire blow up, correct? Yes. I remember in my fourth year, 2008. I remember that uh, I had a high ankle sprain against the New. Orleans. I got it against the Buffalo Bills, and it, I missed uh, the game against I think the New Orleans Saints. I think after that, and then we had a bye week, and then I think I was back uh, ready to play. So basically, I was for about three weeks. I was not my normal self. I'll just go ahead and say that. And when you saw Antonio Brown just waving to the crowd, throwing his jersey in the stands, and things like that, and he's skipping, he's skipping to the locker room, right. he's skipping through the tunnel. Yep. Did he look like he was no. favoring? Any of his extremities? Nope. So then there we we can conclude, well, if you don't want to go into the game, it's probably because you feel really, really injured. Not hurt, injured. Well, if you're not able to run, jump, things like that, I don't think you'd be skipping to the locker room as freely and apparently not, not having any effects of a limp where you're favoring one of your extremities over the other. So that right there, to me, that negates that argument. So that's why I say, are you really surprised? And, I, and this is one thing that I've learned in my years from watching Antonio Brown. As big of a fan as I am of his on-field production, I also know how to separate the person from the player. I know how to do that. So we saw what happened in Pittsburgh. We all saw what happened with the Raiders, right? You see what happened with the New England Patriots. And at every stop, he has alienated his coach the GM, the owner, what have you, or the quarterback. But the thing is, is that, and I remember Ryan Clark has said this many times Anytime that he's being interviewed, is that when Antonio Brown knows that he's the guy. Ryan Clark, Brown's former teammate with the Steelers. Exactly. Ryan Clark, yeah. Whenever he knows he's the guy, A.B. acts up a little bit. If he knows that he's not the guy and he knows he needs to fall in line and be more professional, he'll do just that. Well, Chris Godwin, I believe his what now torn ACL or torn yeah, he's ACL done. where he's, he's done. Mike Evans has been in and out of the lineup. He's been banged up with a hamstring. That all happened the Sunday night game against the new Orleans saints when they got, when they got blank. So now, right now, Antonio Brown is, he's the guy. So he can flex his wings. He can go ahead and, you know, flex a little bit of his muscle. So obviously whatever happened on the sideline is whatever happened. All of the details will matriculate out sooner or later. We all know that, but, that's what he's going to do whenever he knows he's the guy or the number one guy what have you that's why you didn't see it up until now because he was always still on the team with chris godwin who's a pro bowl level receiver making a lot of money as a franchise tag player this year mike evans making a lot of money he's a number one receiver for the tampa buccaneers i don't even know how many pro bowls he's been to but i know he's been to several there's no doubt about that because he's one of the top receivers in the league for crying out loud so He knows that, okay, I can't exactly do all that because, you know, I got two other guys who are really, really good right now. Now, my longevity, my resume usurps theirs in as far as the historical aspect when you align our resumes. But right here, right now on this team, these guys are above me on the totem pole. So he knew that he could not act like that. But whenever he feels like he's the guy, that's when you're going to start to see that arrogance that's when you're going to start to see that attitude that's when you're going to start to see more of the selfish hey me look at me it's all about me type of mindset coming out of him nonetheless but like i said you know he's a phenomenal talent there's no doubt about that and the more and more i watch and we saw what justina anderson said this morning that if antonio brown wants to play again there's a team that will have him. we don't know who that team is but like i said uh that just speaks to his on field ability we all know that
0: yeah, you know what, Stan? I mean, he wore out his welcome, first of all, in Pittsburgh, and he was just one of the top wide receivers when he was there. Then, obviously, what happened with the Raiders and then New England, and now with the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I personally would be surprised if he got another opportunity because you mentioned it earlier, he quit. And yeah. I remember an interview with Warren Sapp, and Warren Sapp said one time, as a teammate, the worst thing you could ever do is quit on me.
1: Yeah. And I feel uh-huh. like that,
0: that is what Antonio Brown did to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And this was after, as you mentioned, Tom Brady vowed for him. He lived with Tom Brady when he first yes. signed with the Buccaneers. Yes. And then what, Stan? Earlier this year, Antonio Brown was suspended because he falsified his vaccination card. He was suspended by the NFL. Let me make, clarify that. And the mm-hmm. Buccaneers still welcomed him back. And then he does this to him. So you know what? I'm going to fault the Buccaneers a little bit in this as well, Stan, because they're enablers. And and I know there's, like you Absolutely. said, there's, you know. I agree. Sure, like you said, there's probably a team out there that might give him another opportunity. And you know what? You're an enabler also because this guy is so talented. And Stan, look, I'm going to say this from afar. Never met Antonio Brown. I've seen Mm -hmm. him play in person. Things like that. To me, he appears that I'm not a doctor, but Antonio seems like he needs some help. He does because he's one of the most talented wide receivers that we have seen. But he self sabotages himself wherever he goes. He's worn out his welcome in four different places. And let's face it, he did it in a short amount of time in Oakland. He lasted maybe, I think he lasted one game with New England. Yeah, one game. I don't even think he played 16 games with the Buccaneers over two seasons. So, Uh,
1: Yeah, no, I don't think he has because he's missed several games this year. Right. He uh, he missed several last year due to his suspension, things like that. So, yeah, he probably hasn't played a full 16 games for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers.
0: Absolutely. And let's move on now enough about Antonio Brown's prediction time. Like I said, Stan, Raiders three-point underdogs, Sunday night, NBC, winner take all. Give me a prediction.
1: Ah, well, just what, what you said about uh, the 40-year anniversary uh, from the first uh, Super Bowl victory with John Madden, you know, that right there, just, man, like that right there just warms my heart, and I don't know. I, I, I don't know why. I don't know. There's so many times this season where I felt like throwing in the towel with the Las Vegas Raiders. Obviously, they got blasted by the Chiefs. I still don't know how the heck they played defense that horrible. Uh, you see them go and get blasted like they did on Monday Night Football to the Los Angeles Chargers. You know, just certain games, losing to the Bears right after the uh, John Gruden fiasco, things like that. It just leaves a bad taste in my mouth, but I don't know what, I don't know how, I don't know why, but this team has found a way to band together against the Browns, to the Broncos, to the Colts uh, over the last couple weeks, and now here we are. They have an opportunity to go to the playoffs, first time since 2016, second time overall since 2003, and I don't know what it is, but I just feel like something is going on in the air where aside from the John Gruden situation, The Henry Ruggs situation, the Damon Arnett situation, and now potentially the situation with Nate Hobbs, even though it's obviously not as big as the situation with Arnett or Gruden or Henry Ruggs, it just seems like this team knows how to fight adversity, seems like they know how to fight through distractions. And I don't know, it just seems, this just seems like some sort of a carpet ride that Something is happening. Obviously, John, um, I'm sorry, John Madden passing um, a week ago. It just, I don't know what it is, but I think the Raiders are going to pull it out Sunday night. Just Uh, go ahead and just sum it all up. Yeah.
0: You know what? The fact that here we are week 18, uh, game 17, everything that you mentioned, they have gone through this season. They've even put themselves in a position to make the playoffs because we've seen so many Raider teams in the past completely fooled. And they're just playing out the string. And I think the coaching staff, it's and all of his assistants deserve a lot of credit. I think the Raiders players deserve so much credit right now that they've hung through all of this adversity and now playing with so much at stake on Sunday night. And I agree with you, Stan, I don't know why I'm going with the Raiders again. You know, when they were six and seven, it seemed everything was done. No one could have predicted they might win four in a row and actually make the playoffs, but I'm going to go with them again. And let's see what happens Sunday night. But I do think they win. Once again, I don't think it's a very high-scoring game. I think the fact that the Raiders do get Darren Waller back will help. They beat the Colts 23-20. to I think the score is going to be somewhere in that neighborhood, Stan, maybe 24-21, perhaps 27-24. I think it's a close game. I mean, I say this every week. The Raiders just don't blow anybody out. They play nothing but close games. But let's hope next week at this time we'll be recapping the Raiders win. Absolutely. And we'll actually be talking – Raider playoff football. All right, my man. I will be there Sunday night. Hopefully that house is a rock.
1: I know it's going to be electric in there. I know it is. (laughs) Good stuff as always, partner. All right, my man. Be good. Happy New Year to you. And uh, I'll be
0: talking to you soon. Absolutely. All right, Raider Nation. That's going to do it for another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast presented by BetOnline.ag. For my partner, Stanford Route, I'm Dennis Ackerman.